So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space, Shane Westlimic 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And it's the 21st of January. It is the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. It's a pleasure for me to be inside the Come and See studio here this morning um, because I'm not by myself. I've got some wonderful people I know you're all looking forward to hearing. Am I right? I have, from Newcastle West. Miss Lorraine Buckley, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, listeners. I'm very well, John, and Happy New Year to the listeners. This is my first programme of 2018, oh, but certainly not my not last. Not the last. have got a few <laughs> little jobs for you to do. And of course, sitting to you a little bit further off, my lovely lady wife, Anne. Good morning to you, Anne. How are you? Good, John. Thank you very much. Good morning, John. Morning, listeners. And it's wonderful to have Anne with us. And of course... We must introduce all the way somewhere out there in Skypeland, Mr. Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, John. Good morning, <laughs> ladies. How are we keeping? Very well. I'm playing up this morning anyway. Sorry, I mean, somebody must have put something in my tea this morning. But anyway, Shane and Lads, it's lovely to have the Sacred, team, the Sacred Space team back again to present another edition of Sacred Space, which again, as I, as I said, it comes from our Come and See studio here in Adler. Uh, the programme, of course, is broadcast on West Limit 102 local radio uh, at 10am 10 10 every Sunday morning and repeated at uh, 11pm on Sunday night. And, of course, a podcast or a repeat of this programme, or, or um, well, a podcast or a, a recording of this programme is available on our blog, uh, which is sacredspace102.blogspot.com. That's www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. And, of course, as we mentioned before, Every programme we've done for the last eight years, nine years at this stage uh, is, is available on the blog there. If people have any problems, and they could well have problems because Dropbox have changed some of the criteria, um, if they have any problems in terms of accessing any programme that they wish to hear again, maybe give me an email, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And again, if you want to uh, make suggestions about the programme, you can contact us. You meet myself, Lorraine or Anne, maybe, uh, around West Limerick. Or you can indeed contact the station, the local station here, uh, West Limerick 102 Radio, which is 069-66200, or write into Sacred Space, 102 FM Radio, Station Road, Newcastle West. And at this stage of the programme, as usual, Shane is going to share some celestial guides for the week and maybe a few more little bits and odds and ends. Thanks, Shane. Mm-hmm. Thanks, John. So um, we are entering into the third week in Ordinary Time. So the year is moving along quite rapidly. And uh, it's also interesting to note we are in the week of prayer for Christian unity, which started on the 18th of January and concludes on the 25th. Now, so just looking at the calendar, uh, as I said, for those keeping the Psalter, we're in week three. And it's the third week in ordinary time, so easy enough to remember, week three, Psalter three. Uh, so, looking at the calendar, the 22nd of January is the feast day of St. Vincent of Saragossa. Um, it's uh, in Spain. He was a mar- he's a Spanish martyr, martyred in 304 after prolonged torture. And that's pretty much all we know about the guy. Then, moving on, on the 23rd of January. Now, this one, John, I went a bit unusual on the calendar. Uh, so, I pulled out, it's the feast day of St. Abel the Patriarch. And people are going, well, who the blaze is Abel the patriarch? Yep. Remember Cain and Abel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the Abel. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> an interesting you. one. On, on the calendar, um, we do actually what, what are called um, patriarchs and matriarchs of the Old Testament. Okay. And Abel is one of them. And we celebrate his feast day on the 23rd of January. And obviously enough, 
He's the second son of Adam and Eve. He was a shepherd, and obviously he's famous for being killed by his brother in a fit of jealousy. So that's who we have on the 23rd of January, and he's the patron saint of dying people. Okay. Then on the 24th of January, now this is a, this, yeah, on the 24th of January, we have the feast day of St. Francis de Sales, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. He's a bishop and doctor of the church, and he would be known to people very much so because the Salesians of Don Bosco are called after him. Uh, or the order, uh, the missionaries of St. Francis de Sales, obviously, are in Sales of Sales, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, now, he is a t- Italian, French, sorry, he's a French saint, and born in uh, 1587, no, sorry, 1567, uh, and was from a well-to-do family. Was, the expectation was that he'd become a lawyer and enter politics and carry on the family name. Didn't quite work out that way. He got a bit scrupulous in his early teens and became ill from it. And then eventually, in 1587, he overcame the crisis and decided that whatever God had in store for him was for the best and dedicated his life to God. Uh, he took a very... Um, uh, he, he was working in Padua in Italy, earned a doctorate. He returned home to France, was working as an advocate, so kind of as a lawyer, and it was at this point that he received a message telling him to leave all and follow me. And he took that as a call to the priesthood, which his family in particular opposed. He was ordained priest, and then he was appointed to the provost of the Diocese of Geneva in Switzerland. Uh, very much there, uh, preached and wrote in terms of the apologist against uh, Calvinism. And his very gentle manner brought uh, many back to the Roman Church. Uh, he was Bishop of Geneva in 1602, known for writing and traveling. And then he died in uh, 1622. So that's Francis de Sales, and he's declared a doctor of the church, and his writings are quite famous. Mm-hmm. And he was declared a doctor of the church by Pius IX in 1877. Now, moving on. Then on the 25th of January, we have one of the bigger feasts of the church's year. Yeah. We have the feast day of the conversion of St. Paul, the apostle. And of course, this is literally that story on the road to Damascus. And that feast is celebrated on the on the on the twenty fifth, and it is also the end of the uh, week of prayer for Christian unity. And generally in Rome, on the feast of the conversion of Saint Paul, the Pope holds an ecumenical vestures in the Basilica of Saint Paul's outside the wall uh, in Rome to mark the end of the week. Um, so that's that's the conversion of Saint Paul on the twenty fifth. Then on the twenty sixth of January, we have the feast days of Saint Timothy and Titus, who were known as being very close to Paul. So obviously that's why you have the two letters of St. Paul to Timothy. Um, mm. They were known as his followers and later uh, worked with him. Tradition makes Timothy the first bishop of Ephesus. And um, so he's, and oddly enough, he has a very strange patronage. He is the patron saint of those with stomach complaints based on, I think in one of Paul's letters, he advised him to take some wine to help his stomach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are, these are the strange things you come up with. Mm-hmm. St. Titus is associated with the Church of Crete. Then finally, on Saturday, we have, which is the 27th, we have the feast day of... Uh, sorry, I've lost my page. We have the feast day of St. Angela Marisi, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. And she lived between 1474 and 1540 and is the founder of the Ursuline Order. Um, and very much associated, and of course, with education. Uh, so that's whose feast day we celebrate on the 27th of, of January. She, um, she, gathered, she, she started her apostolate in 1535, where she gathered 
a group of girl students and um, they, the, the, her first schools were in Italy, in, in, uh, in, in northern Italy. And she died in 1540 in Italy. And she is the patron saint of those against sickness, against the death of parents. She's the patron saint of disabled or handicapped people. And she also has a patronage of those that are sick. We had a couple of saints there this week with patronages of those that are sick. For those listening this morning that might be a bit housebound. So, John, that is the end of our Saints for this week. Well done, Shane. We went back as far as able this year, this week. <laughs> I, I tell you, fair dues to you, no problem. Thank you very much, Neil, for that, Shane. Um, just a few notices just before we go for our first bit of music. Um, what, what I might just do is I might just mention just about um, EWTN. Um, a grave in Prima, Father Walter Chizik, I think his name is. The moving story of Father Walter Chizik, a Byzantine Catholic priest who was convicted of being a spy for the Vatican and endured many years in Soviet prisons. People might be interested in watching this tomorrow night for half an hour on EWTN. And just one final one. Next Saturday, half past seven for two and a half hours, there's the Walk for Life West Coast, a live coverage of San Francisco's largest pro-life event, including speeches and special interviews with dynamic pro-life leaders and walk participants. EWTN, next Saturday night, half past seven. Lorraine, have you got something for us? Just a little reminder, actually, now that we're well into 2018. Of course, the World Meeting of Families is happening in Ireland in 2018, and Bishop Leahy has been reminding everybody everywhere he goes that if you want to go to the World Meeting of Families and there's a strong indication that Pope Francis will be there so if you want to see Pope Francis this year you do have to register online. Mm -hmm. Now as soon as Pope Francis's schedule becomes public Mm -hmm. in other words they haven't confirmed yet whether or not he's coming to Ireland because they don't typically do that until six months beforehand but as soon as they do these tickets are going to sell out like hotcakes all over the world. So it might be too late. So if you are keeping it in mind, worldmeeting2018.ie for adults. If you want to go to one day of the Congress, it's €38. That guarantees you one day of the Congress and a ticket to that final Mass, which would be the Mass uh, that Pope Francis would celebrate. If you want to go to the full Congress, which is three days Congress, plus the Festival of Families, which takes place at the weekend, plus the final Mass, it's €68. Okay. Now, we're not telling you do this or don't do this. We're just saying if you want to go, Mm. now's the time to book it, really. Children under 18 are free, but again, they have to be registered. So they have to be registered ASAP if you intend to go to any of the World Meeting of Families. All the details there are on their website, worldmeeting2018.ie. Worth noting. Thank you so much for that, Laurie. Now we'll go for the first bit of music before that, and we'll pray this spirit of communion prayer. And as Shane reminded us, you know, there's a lot of sick uh, who are listening to us on the programme each week. This prayer is for those who can't receive Jesus at Mass this morning. Thanks, Anne. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul, since I now cannot receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, then. So now we're going for our first bit of music. The one I picked this morning is by Kerry Landry, and this one is entitled as we celebrate.
this day. So we celebrate your life with us, your love for us, your light in our Sacred Space. So welcome back again to the second part of Sacred Space. Uh, so my name is John Keeley, still joined in the Commissary Studio here in Ida by Lorraine Buckley, and, and Shane is with us uh, still on the other end of the Skype line. And this is the time of the year when we review what happened last year. Uh, we have our patron saints, I believe Shane's got a few shocks for us coming up. And also, I think Shane said you're going to do a little bit of crystal ball gazing into 2018. How are you going to fit all that in in about 20 minutes? I don't know. But anyway, off you go. Who said anything about 20 minutes? I was thinking I'd go take the rest of the program. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go. Right, okay. So as people know, each year on the program, we do personal blog, uh, personal saints of the year. So this is a monastic tradition where you would be given a saint as a patron saint for the coming 12 months. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, I had a guy called St. Dunstan, and I'm afraid myself and St. Dunstan didn't really... Um, have that much to do with each other for the 12 months. And my patron saint for the next 12 months is actually going to be St. Lucy. Oh. And Lucy is, um, Lucy, St. Lucy or St. Lucia is one of the early Christian martyrs associated with the Diocletian persecution. And she has been venerated as a saint of the church since the early 200s. And she is one of the, one of the eight women mentioned in the canon of Eucharistic Prayer Number 1 in the canon of the Mass. And her feast day is the 13th of December. So, guys, who did you get? Well, just before you go on there, if you happen to be in Kappa Church, there's a beautiful stained glass um, image of St. Lucy in Kappa Church. Ah. Yes, indeed. Because yeah, yeah. we, we were wondering for a while who she was earlier on, many, many, many years ago. Um, but then she was pictured with a dish with her eyes in the dish. Oh. Yes, because she was supposed to sacrifice her eyes during the during her uh, martyrdom. Exactly. So that kind of narrowed it down for us. You do pick them, Shane. <laughs> anyway. Well, now this was not. This was picked randomly. For <laughs> of course. And, yeah. Yeah. And it randomly being the word. Anyway, uh, I have patron saints for 2018. John Paul II. 
Now, All right. John Paul, Pope John Paul, uh, of course, as we know, he was Pope from 1978 to 2005, called by some uh, Saint John Paul the Great by some Catholics. He died in 2005. Um, his feast day is the 22nd of October. Um, he was beatified, actually, on the 1st of November 2011, and in fact, in that particular uh, day, there was a second healing that apparently took place uh, with a person from Costa Rica, a healing of a woman, and um, he was canonized on the 27th of April 2014. And you also had a go at um, the patron saints for 2018. Who did you get? It's St. Thomas of an English martyr. St. Thomas of Becket. No, St. Thomas of Becket, he was murdered in 1170. He became a saint in 1173. Um, he was born in England. He was Archbishop of Canterbury from 1162 to his murder, actually, in 1170 by King Henry II's knights. The king had ordered his murder by for refusing to give the monarchy power over the church. Becket's death made him into a martyr to followers of the Catholic Church. And Pope Alexander canonised him um, in 1173, they, they, they certainly canonised people much sooner <coughs> in, in those days than they did. And uh, he's a patron saint of Catholic clergy, apparently. Now, talking about junkets and all that, Shane, um, Anne decided now, uh, after looking at Canterbury, oh, where's that? Oh, that's in England. And, oh, that'd be nice to go over and have a look at that. So it looks like sometime <laughs> during the year we'll be paying a visit. We'll be paying a visit to Canterbury and we'll see what we can dig up and maybe bring back to the programme. Okay. Lorraine, what did you? Who did you get? Well, last year I had Saint John Chrysostom, and this year I have a very, very beautiful and incredible female saint, Saint Catherine of Siena, who is also a doctor of the Church. Saint Catherine was born during the outbreak of a plague in Siena, in Italy, on the twenty fifth of March of thirteen forty seven. Now she was the twenty fifth child born to her mother although half her brothers and sisters did not survive childhood, as you can imagine, during mm. that time. Mm. Catherine herself was a twin, but her sister also didn't survive infancy. Now, Catherine was a very beautiful woman, and her parents wanted her to marry well, but she felt the call to religious life. But despite her religious nature, she didn't choose to enter a convent. Instead, she joined the Third Order of St. Dominic, which allowed her to associate with a religious society while living at home. Now, something changed uh, her when she was 21. She described an experience she referred to as her mystical marriage to Christ. And there are debates over whether or not St. Catherine was given a ring, with some claiming she was given a bejeweled ring and others claiming the ring uh, was something else. St. Catherine herself started the rumour in her writings, but she was known to often claim that the ring itself was invisible. Now, she was also claimed to have um, received the stigmata, again, which was a only visible to herself. She was an incredible woman. She visited hospitals and homes. From 1375 onwards, she began writing letters, dictating letters to scribes. She petitioned for peace and was instrumental in persuading the Pope in Avignon to return to Rome. By the age of 33, she had become ill, and a lot of people think that was due to her habit of extreme fasting. In fact, her confessor, St. Raymond, ordered her to eat, but she replied that she found it difficult to do so, and that possibly she was ill. 
She died on the 29th of April in 1380 and St. Catherine's feast day is the 29th of April. She's the patroness against fire illness. She's the patroness of the United States of Italy. She's a patroness of uh, people who have suffered from miscarriages, people ridiculed for their faith, a patron saint against sexual temptation and she's a patron saint of nurses. Very comprehensive. Uh, Shane, maybe um, you might enlighten us to, uh, as to who the patron saint is for the blog this year. I don't have a drum roll available, so <laughs> do the All best right, you can. Well, that's fair enough. So our patron saint for the blog for 2018 is St. Justin Barter. Uh, he is an apologist and early saint of the church, died in uh, 165 AD, suffered martyrdom in Rome, Associated with Asia Minor and in particular with Syria, <clears throat> uh, he was the son of uh, his, pa- his parents were pagan. He eventually converted to Christianity, and he wrote and defended the faith. And his writings have done to us in the modern day. <laughs> so that is our patron saint of the blog for 2018. That's Saint Justin, did you say? Saint Justin. Saint Justin Martyr. Okay, <laughs> Justin, madam. Okay, so hopefully this year we'll try and do a little bit better than last year. We'll try and make a bit more connection with our patron saints. And listen to maybe the advice that they're trying to pass on to us. Shane, you also said now you're going to review 2017. So off you go. Where where would you like to start? It's okay. (laughs) Uh, What we normally do on the program at this time of the year is we do a year in review. And you know the way with newspapers and the the, the, the online, or not online, but, you know, the radio, the television, Mm. do a review of the year that has passed. They did their reviews of 2017, so we're going to do ours. So looking back at 2017, um, we cross a number and look at a number of different ways. We look at events that happened and kind of headlines that happened from a kind of a church perspective or a faith perspective. And then we'll have a quick look through and see if we could make any predictions for 2018. So, <clears throat> looking at 2017, we'll do a quick run through because we only have a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, one of, I suppose one of the main things from a church perspective in, in January 2017 was the bishops, the Irish bishops, made their ad limina apostol, uh, ad limina visits to Rome, mm. and these are the visits of the bishops to Rome and to the Curia just to check in to give a report and accounting of what they do as well as it being a pilgrimage to the tombs of the martyrs. And um, that happened in January 2017. The interesting thing that happened in January 2017 was Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg uh, came out and said religion was important to him. Now, this made news because, obviously, he is Mr. Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tweeted, or not tweeted, he, he posted on his Facebook page. And it was also in contradiction to something he said a couple of years earlier where he said faith wasn't really important at all. So that was an interesting one. <clears throat> then in February... Um, I suppose one of the main things that happened in February from a a national perspective was the death of Cardinal Desmond Connell, the former Archbishop of Dublin. I think think it would be fair to say Des Connell um, was definitely a man that would probably have been happier if he had stayed lecturing in philosophy in UCD. Mm -hmm. And whether or not his appointment as a bishop was good for him and good for the church, I suppose we will leave it for historians to decide. Obviously, at the end of his time as Archbishop, there was a lot of controversy over the handling of the sexual abuse cases in Dublin. And But it was sad. He was a cardinal of the church, and it was sad in one respect that his funeral was in the pro-cathedral in Dublin, and there was no representative of the state present uh, from either the presidents, the teacher's office, members of the houses of the Oireachtas, or even the Lord Mayor of Dublin City which was in stark contrast to his arrival back in Dublin airport after he was receiving his cardinal's beretta 
um, where he was greeted by the Din Taoiseach of the day, Bertie Ahern. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he was a national figure. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, you cannot just sum him up by the failures of his time as the Archbishop of Dublin. Of course, March also led us on to another Episcopal death. And again, another one. I often like to think what this man and Desert Connell would be chatting about above at the Pearly Gates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say it would make an interesting conversation. And that, of course, was the death of Bishop Eamon Casey. Of course, former Bishop of Galway, former Bishop of Kerry, and who, of course, in 1992, there was the scandal of the revelation that he had a child, Peter, by Annie Murphy. And the whole debacle that happened around that time, he's fleeing to the States and on to doing missionary work in South America for a number of years, and the hurt and pain that that caused for so many people. But he returned home a, couple of, a number of years ago, and unfortunately, in his final years, he had, did suffer from dementia. So he, did, he died in March 2017. Now, March 2017 also saw the resignation of Mary Collins from the Papal Commission for the Protection of, of, of Children. Mm. Mary Collins, of course, is a renowned um, campaigner for trial protection, particularly in the context of church events and church situations. And she resigned from the Papal Commission, citing uh, lack of uh, support and follow-up, particularly within the Curia in Rome. Uh, so that's that. That was she. She resigned in March 2017. April was the first of the Pope's trips, or one of the Pope's trips overseas, with the visit to Egypt, and in particular to Cairo. Um, it was a questionable visit in the sense we weren't sure whether or not it was going to happen. Literally up to the week beforehand, because there had been suicide attacks on Coptic Christians, and unfortunately. Those suicide attacks against the Coptic Christians continued right up to the end of 2017, uh, with 70 people being killed in December. It was an interesting one because Pope Francis met with quite a number of religious leaders, and in particular Muslim leaders, and he led a call for all religions to reject violence, uh, which is carried out in the so-called name of religion. So that was his contribution there, and of course, as well as that, just the fact that Coptics and Catholics had us uh, are are reconciling to a certain degree. Uh, the Coptic Church is one of what's called the non-Chalcedon churches, so we've been separated them since about 450 AD. And uh, there was a declaration signed with, uh, when Francis was there from a reconciling from a theological point of view. But we still have our differences, and the Copts are actually many would say they are the original Egyptians uh, in Egypt, but they are only about 10 percent of the overall population. Then moving on to May, May of course was a busy month because of course May was the papal visit to Portugal mm. and the reason for the papal visit to Portugal of course was the 100th anniversary of uh, the apparitions at Fatima and of course while he was there Pope Francis uh, canonized the seers of Fatima, Jacinta and Francesco. Uh, so that was that was an interesting visit of course being the 100th anniversary of um, being the 100th anniversary of uh, the, uh, uh, the, the apparition, mm-hmm. um, obviously there was a whole other things going on during the year. So unofficially, if you like, 2017 was the year of, of Fatima. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in terms of uh, May, or sorry, June, we're up to June already, which is not too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, from a national perspective, there was the controversy about the National Maternity Hospital in Dublin. And, of course, the involvement of the Sisters of Charity in the running of the National Charity Hospital, which resulted in them saying that they were going to withdraw from active involvement in the running of St. Vincent's Hospital. Uh, We also, of course, at a national level, had our first Jesuit bishop appointed, 
to the diocese of it's one of the I think it's Raffo. Um Yes, it's Raffo. it's one of the it's the yes it's Raffo, which is one of the Donegal dioceses. So it's the first Jesuit bishop that we had in Ireland, and then as well as that, from a diocesan perspective. June was the month of the death of Father Jack Finucane, who was one of the founders of Concern, and he died in June 2017. So now, moving, so we're halfway there, John, so it's not You're bad. doing well. Yeah, so then in July, um, from a diocesan perspective, we had the visit of Cardinal Showburn to, to Mary Immaculate College and his talk on the papal encyclical Amoris Laetitia. And then, obviously, at the global level, July, of course, saw the sad... Um, events surrounding the death of the child Char- uh, Charlie Gard case. This was the baby whose parents uh, fought in the courts in the UK for him to be kept alive mm. for as long as possible because, and to seek alter- alternative treatments if, before he eventually um, he, he eventually died. Um, August at the national level, we saw the launch in Knock on August 22nd for, of course, the World Meeting of Families in 2018. And that was the mass where the icon was blessed and consecrated by Archbishop Dermot Martin. And of course, that has been doing the rounds. And in Limerick, it was in Limerick in December 2017 that the icon came to visit. And of course, we had it for three days in the Castle West as well. We did. Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Then um, September was interesting because at the national level, we had the new papal nuncio presenting his credentials. And for those that can't remember who the blazes is in the case of the paper, <laughs> his name is Jude Tadius Okolo, and he is Nigerian. Uh, so he's an interesting chap, uh, has a connection, as far as I'm aware, with the Kiltegan Fathers, as, uh, uh, as they, I think, uh, were the parish where he grew up. I stand open to correction on that one, though, but as far as I'm aware, there is a connection mm-hmm. there. So he presented his, <clears throat> his official credentials to Pope, Pope, so President Higgins in September. And then, as well as that, in September, from a papal point of view, we had the publication of the Motu Proporio, Magnum Principium, which deals with the translation of liturgical text and Pope Francis's efforts to put the responsibility for the approval of liturgical texts back with the National Bishops' Conferences. Now, there were great hopes at the time that this might mean another uh, translation of the Mass and the Missal, but generally the consensus is, for the moment that while bishops accept that the translation we have at the moment is probably not ideal, there is no plans to revise it again in the immediate future. However, the other liturgical books are still undergoing translation, so the next big publication from a translation point of view will probably be the breviary or the liturgy of the hours. So, <clears throat> then in October, now October was a busy month, John. I see. Mm. Uh, a couple of things on the Pope's calendar that month. So it was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, and so the Pope uh, made a trip to Sweden, I think. Then on October 26th, he had he decided he'd make a phone call to the International Space Station. And I would actually say to people, if you are online, it is well worth Googling to see if you can find the video or the text, the the tran- what do you call it, the the transcript of the conversation that he had with the International Space Station and with the astronauts. It's well worth a read. Um, as well as that, then, he uh, at a, a conference or a talk he gave at the FAO in, in Rome for World Food Day, the Pope called out and made the request that we stopped treating hunger as an incurable disease, as there is enough food for everybody in the world. 
So it was a very strong talk that he gave at the FAO in Rome. And finally, in October, Pope Francis um, once more brought up the issue of the death penalty. And in particular, he made the point that for Roman Catholics, and you know, the, because of our understanding of the value of human life, that there was no role uh, in, for, the, for the death penalty in a judicial system. And it was in the context of the anniversary of the publication of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, where he noted that, that potentially the Catechism needs to be updated in this regard, because the Catechism does allow uh, the death penalty in extreme circumstances and under very limited conditions, which has been kind of the, the, the development of doctrine over the numbers of years. Finally, John, two last things just to round out. Mm -hmm. In November, uh, a survey was done, that, uh, a European survey was done, which found that Ireland is still remarkably religious. Mm -hmm. Not something that we would probably hear very often, depending on the media, yep. but the report was that 37% of people attend religious services once a week. Now, 37% doesn't sound like a whole lot, but in the context of the European, our European neighbours, or in the context of the States, or in England in particular, it's quite a healthy figure. Um, so it's not too bad. And then finally, uh, December saw the papal visit, of course, to Burma and Bangladesh and dealing with the whole Rohingya issue, uh, which saw the Rohingya minority fleeing across the border into Bangladesh. And we also had the death of Cardinal Law in Rome. Now, people might be saying, well, who was Cardinal Law? Cardinal Law was the former Archbishop of Boston, and he had to step down in 2005 after the whole controversy blew up in the United States of America over the handling of sex abuse cases. Uh, he resigned from the Archbishopric of New York, of Boston and was brought to Rome. He was appointed Archpriest of the Basilica of uh, Mary Major, uh, which caused a lot of controversy. People thought it was actually, un it wasn't, um, Rome wasn't showing enough due care about the whole issue <coughs> and how he handled things. And he also, his funeral caused a degree of controversy as well because people were saying, well, why should the Pope uh, pray the prayers of commendation at the end of a funeral for Cardinal Law, given what happened? And the Vatican was made the point that Cardinal Law was a resident cardinal in Rome, and as per tradition, the Pope, for all cardinals, uh, does the final commendation. And the reminder to us that when we die, we do not pass judgment on a person who's died. We wait, in, in, we wait to see God's judgment on anyone that they can ask. God's mercy. So, John, that was a quick run-through of 2017. Well done, Shane. Now, just to let you get your, your breath back, and we've only got just a few minutes left for this uh, for this section, but I just <coughs> want to remind people, just you know, just a few of the um, programmes we, we, we were able to record last year. Back in January, we spoke with Conor O'Donoghue and the Legion of Mary. One of my favourite programmes there last year, actually, was with Mike Cullity, and Mike joined us to go through the Old and New Testament. Uh, in June, Father Frank Duick joined us here for the Holy Spirit. Give us a uh, give us a, a beautiful lecture on the Holy Spirit, and also Father Brian Shawtall. Shane, you remember? He gave us that lovely little chat there. Tired of all the bad news. That was one of my favourite interviews from twenty seventeen. I have to say, mm -hmm. and of course, a very important one last year in July. Geraldine and our uh, Geraldine Creighton, and of course Lorraine, gave us a lovely, lovely reflection on prayer. That happened in July. And right at the end, um, there's a load now that I'm missing out, but right at the end, we all will, of course, remember that lovely reflection that Mary Keaton gave us on Christmas Day. Um, beautiful. It's, it, it's taken so many hits, all about pro-life and so on and so forth. But in the meantime, Shane, you've got about two minutes just to wrap up this particular section, please. 
Sure. Now, John, just a quick wrap-up, or not so much a wrap-up, but actually a bit of um, crystal ball gazing for 2018. Mm -hmm. So, Pope Francis obviously has a busy schedule already lined up in terms of papal visits. Currently, he's in Chile and Peru. Um, There is a planned visit to Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Of course, the big question and confirmation that we are waiting for here in Ireland is whether or not he is actually going to attend the World Meeting of Families in Dublin in August. Mm -hmm. That official announcement has not actually been made yet. It's due in the next couple of weeks. And then, of course, there is a question mark whether or not he will actually go to India this year. In October, we have the Senate of Bishops, and the conversation will be on the youth and their youth in the church, intergenerational issues, and the passing of faith. There is the, the preparations will begin for the 2019 Special Synod on Amazonia. And one of the big questions which will come out of that is whether or not Pope Francis is going to allow permission for the ordination of married men to the priesthood, uh, which is one of the questions that is, that is there, um, particularly given the context in the Amazon and the, 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 the number of priests to the overall Christian population that's there. Uh, of course, in June, there will be a consistory. There are currently six vacancies in the College of Cardinals, which elects the Pope, among other things. And of course, with the death of Desmond Connell in 2017, the question will arise as to whether or not we will get an Irish red hat this year. My view is probably we won't, um, because uh, Sean Brady is very much still alive and well, although he is uh, almost, I think he is 80, actually, and is excluded from voting in any consistories. But given Francis's um, uh, you know, preference to awarding red hats to the periphery, um, it's, you know, I, you know, we may get it, we may not get it. Knowing Pope Francis, he could turn around and decide, oh, do you know what? I'll give it to the Bishop of Limerick. <laughs> and things <laughs> possible. <laughs> um, obviously, on the, uh, from looking at the college, uh, the, not the college, the Conference of Bishops in Ireland, we currently have uh, two, three, four, six, uh, well, two vacancies. Uh, that's in Aconrai, which is up in Roscommon, Mayo, and Sligo, and in the Diocese of Clogher, which is Tyrone. And we have three bishops over the age of 75. That's John Kirby in Clonfert, which is Galway and Roscommon. Uh, John Buckley, who is, of course, the Bishop of Cork and Ross, and Michael Smith, who is the Bishop of Mead. So all of them will have submitted their resignation letters to the Pope, to, to the Pope and we'll be waiting to see whether or not their successors are appointed in 2018. And then, of course, looking just quickly, John, last couple of things just to keep people an eye out. Obviously, there will be the whole question of the involvement of the bishops and the role of Catholics in Ireland in the forthcoming referendum on repealing the Eighth Amendment. There is obviously, it's going to be a historic year because it's the 15th anniversary of the publication of Humanae Vitae by Pope Paul VI. Um, so that was published in 1968. So there'll be the whole discussion about that particular encyclical and whether or not there are concerns that there is going to be a revision of the teaching. Um, then there's also the question mark of whether or not there is going to be the canonization of Paul VI. Uh, there is a report that a second miracle has been approved so potentially he could be canonized in 2018. And that is kind of, John, the main things to keep an eye out for. Shane, in all fairness, you know, getting through that in about 25 minutes was very good. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> we'll have to go for a bit of music, though, and then go for a break. So at this, at this stage, we'll go for a bit of music. It's, it's, I now want to play um, Come Now is a Time to Worship by uh, Brian Gutstein. And let's see this. Time to give your heart 
Sacred Space. So, welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley, still joined in studio here by Lorraine and Anne and Shane. Fair do you. Thank you so much for giving us that, that, that resume of 2017 and, and Crystal Ball goes into a certain extent in 2018. Thanks for that, Shane. Now, this is the most important part of any program where we read and reflect on the Word of God. And before that, there's a prayer we always pray, which Anne's going to pray for us this morning. Thanks, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword, 
May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this water in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for that, Anne. And the Gospel for today, Lorraine, please, for the third Sunday. It is uh, the first chapter of Mark, verses 14 to 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. There he proclaimed the good news from God. The time has come, he said, and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. As he was walking along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you into fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in their boat, mending their nets. He called them at once, and leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the men he employed, they went after him. So thank you for reading the gospel there for us this morning, Lorraine, and that's from Mark 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 14 to 20. And of course, uh, Skype has given us some challenges again this week, and we, we, we've lost Shane for the time being. Uh, in the meantime, um, just a few thoughts. Well, one particular thought that got me this week, and I was a lecture divining with Father Frank Dewey in Newcastle West, it's at quarter past eight to quarter past nine. And Father Frank um, just asked us to reflect on those those beautiful words, um, repent and believe the good news, but specifically the good news, and just asked us to just reflect on what the good news is. And Father Frank said, really what they are, they're, they're really gospel values, they're, they're the gospel values of Jesus. There can be such things as truth or generosity or hope or love or encouragement. So maybe today we can ask ourselves, has it been good news for us? these gospel values that Jesus proposes that we follow. And if it has been good news for us, and for me, just a thought that came to me this morning, maybe we can invite others to come and follow Jesus as well. Any particular thoughts yourself there, Actually, it's the first part of the gospel, and in fact, all the readings of today's liturgy that have stayed with me during the week as I was reflecting on this. The gospel itself is really kind of about the call of um, Simon, Andrew, James and John, which we also heard from John's Gospel last week. But what struck me was the first paragraph of the Gospel. The time has come and the kingdom of God is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Same as yourself, John. And I'll tell you why that stayed with me. If we go back to the first reading, which we didn't obviously read today, but you'll hear at the Sunday Mass. It's Jonah and the word of the Lord was addressed to Jonah to go to the Ninevites and to preach repentance to them. Now, the Ninevites heard the word of the Lord that was spoke to Jonah Mm. and they repented. And it finishes with God saw their efforts to renounce their evil behavior and God relented. And then we have that beautiful psalm. Lord, make me know your ways. Remember your mercy, Lord, and the love you have shown from of old. In your love, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. And then we have that lovely reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers, our time is growing short. So it's all about 
the shortness of our time here on earth. Really, we have such little time to love God and to love other people. And you don't know when your time is going to be up. None of us know that. I don't want to be morbid about it, but like we don't know no. how many days we have. But the beautiful message is it doesn't matter. Length of days does not make a person wise. What matters is how much we love. Creation is now because we wouldn't be here if God didn't love us into existence and kept Mm -hmm. us in existence. Mm -hmm. And why does God create us? Because he loves us. He wants to share his divine life with us so that we will be with him forever in heaven. Salvation is now. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to give up our sins. And what is repentance? Repentance is turning back to God. And if we turn back to God, we will be turning away from our sins. And the second part of today's gospel, it's the calling of the four um, apostles, the four main disciples, really, Simon, who we know is Peter, Andrew, James and John. And their call is in a response to that great love of God. They're called to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. And we're all called in a similar way to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. Mm. And how do we do that? Again, it's it's very simple. It's not easy, but it's very simple. Loving God loving our neighbours, going to Mass, availing of that beautiful sacrament, the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and bringing about God's peace on earth. And you know the other thing that um, that came to me in regard to this Gospel today is um, these were ordinary guys. These weren't anybody special and so on and so forth. So we shouldn't excuse ourselves by saying, well, I don't know too much about the Gospel and so on and so forth, and God would never ask me to follow him. God is asking all of us to follow him, isn't that right? We all have a vocation. Yeah. And our greatest vocation is is not whether we're called to marriage or religious life. Our greatest vocation is the Christian call to holiness. And mm. what is holiness? Holiness is putting God first in our lives and recognizing, being aware of those times in which we don't put God first because we can get a little bit lazy and we can get a bit, little bit self-centered and sometimes we put ourselves first. Mm. But holiness, really, the essential aspect of holiness is not reading theology books. Reading theology books is good. Mm. Reading holy books are good. Reading the scriptures is essential. Mm. Daily prayer is essential. But holiness is about putting God first. And why do we put God first? Because he knows what it is to make us happy. Mm. He has the key to eternal life. He has the key to happiness. And it's only through God and in God and with his grace that we will be happy. So the message is, follow him. Follow him. What a way to finish off the programme. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Lovely to have you back again. And so Anne, lovely. thank you so much again. You're welcome. And I'm so lucky now to have two wonderful holy ladies sitting next to me here inside <laughs> the studio this morning. I'm afraid at this stage we have to apologise because Shane, poor Shane, after all his work for us in part two, the, the internet has left us down and despite uh, trying a few times and we can't mm. get him back. Shane, we'll certainly get back to you some other time. Thank you so much for, for sharing so much and, and for all the work you've really put in in reviewing last year. Exactly. Now that he's off the line, we can talk about him. Shane is an incredible person and he's mm. going to kill me for this. I know he's going to kill me for this, but he puts in so much work. He does. Uh, week in, week out, on the blog especially, but also in researching our saints, in researching our mm, topics, mm. in doing Trojan work there, in looking back on 2017 and looking forward to 2018. So thanks, Shane, for all the work you do for us. Thanks, Shane. It's a good job. You're off the air. we got to say you're going to kill her next time. Is me But anyway, thank you so much for that. Listen, I'm going to go out with a final piece of music. And this one is by from Casting Crowns. And this one is entitled Follow Me. So next week, God bless you God all. God bless. Now. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Sacred Space 